Now, well, you came here is for the message, right? So I'm going to do a little preaching. So if you like my preaching, you can stay. If you don't, you can slip out. <laughs> Maybe we should have a prayer, and that way nobody has to. <laughs> okay. All right, you're stuck for the long haul now. Um, so the mission statement of the church is one that I, I don't know if Pastor Mark came up with this or, or who came up with it. I didn't really get a chance to talk to him about who put this together, but it's a really great mission statement, something I think we should carry on uh, for a long, long time because I think it's very true. And it says, loving and leading people into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. And the key words here, I think we really wanna focus on love, lead, and life. But I think it's just a powerful statement. We want a loving and leading people into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. And so the thing I want to highlight today is how, we, how do we embody these words today in our life groups? How should we take these words and kind of utilize them in our life group ministry? So how do we love people? How do we lead people? And how do we bring life to people that Jesus can change their life? So I want to focus on that. Now, I was real excited about my message because I thought I had worked out everything. And then my wife uh, points out to me that it's not quite, it wasn't as cool as it could have been. Okay. So I apologize and I didn't change it. So I just left it the way it was. But I was so excited that I had a letter. I had a word that was the same letter for each. So we got love. So I had all uh, letters for that. I had all C's. And then I had lead, and I have all P's for that. And then I have life, and I have all W's for that. And I thought that I was doing something awesome. I even went to Adam. I was like, I figured something out. And then my wife says, well, what does that mean? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) So the first thing I want to look at is love God and love people. This is the greatest commandment that we have is to love people, to love our God, to love others. And so how can we embody that in life group ministry? Well, the first thing I wanna just show you my first set of three, my three C words. How should we love people in in small groups? And these three words really spoke to me. Compassion, commitment, and for it to be compelling. And what was the interesting thing is Pastor Mark helped me with that because I was stuck on sacrifice. I was just thinking sacrifice, sacrifice is so important. And actually, Pastor Mark, after he did the one more thing, I was mentioning what I was going to pre- speak on, and I was having a hard time figuring that out. And he said, well, the compelling is a great word to use for that. And so I appreciate it. So, so kudos to Pastor Mark for helping me out with that issue. Um, but compassion is very important for us to show compassion. Love starts with compassion. Looking at people, seeing their need, caring for them. Our heart can move and should move. When we see people going through hard times or difficulties, we should have compassion for people. We should care about them. And our hearts should go out to them. We should, we should have some sense of empathy for what they're going through. And that compassion is laid there. But I want to tell you, if you just have compassion, it's not good enough. It's not, it's not what all you need. You need more than just compassion. Compassion can be at a distance, right? You can, you can keep at a distance and have compassion. But then you also need a commitment, A commitment dives in further where you actually need to get involved in the situation, where you actually need to take a part in what they're going through to try to help them out or encourage them or be there for them. It takes some time. It takes some effort on your part to get involved. So love and and just having compassion is great, but unless you, if you just stay there, that's not good enough. 
You need to be committed to really show somebody love. You need to be willing to make the effort to go after that person and make sure that they know that you're there, that you make a contract with that other person in your heart, that you're committed to be there for them. And the last thing, it has to be compelling. There has to be something that, that's pushing you forward, calling you and, and making you do more than what you ever thought you would do because you are compelled to do it. You're, you're, you're willing to sacrifice things because you're compelled. And you're willing to go beyond what you're required because you love them, because you care. The scripture or reference here, Matthew chapter 15, verse 31 through 33, it says this. The people were amazed when they saw the multitude, uh, the mute, sorry, the mute speaking, the crippled made well, the lame walking, and the blind seeing, and they praised the God of Israel. Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion for these people. They have already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. I do not want to send them away hungry or they may collapse on the way. His disciples answered, where do we get enough bread in this remote place to feed such a crowd? What a powerful, we look at this and we study it and as we read this, we see that God has great love. And what does it say that Jesus had? He had compassion on them. And he had compassion because they were, they were there hearing him speak. And I, just, I think it's just amazing that we serve a God that not only cares about our spiritual side of things, but he cares about the needs that we have in our own life. You know, he could have just been concerned about spiritual things. But no, he wasn't just concerned about their spiritual things. He was concerned about their well or their health and how they were doing and how they were gonna make it. And he wanted to make sure they had some nourishment before they took the journey home. And he wanted to take care of them. So he was not only compassionate, but he was committed to having something happen to make that be a blessing to them and help them in their situation. He didn't just stand on the sidelines and say, boy, I really feel bad for them. They're gonna have a long trip home and they're probably gonna fall over and collapse, but at least they've heard me speak. You know, he wasn't like that at all. He was committed. That's where miracles happen. Miracles happen when, when there's a commitment. Miracles happen when there's a commitment and it's compelling for something to work out, for somebody's life to be changed. That's when things seem like they're impossible that actually occur when there's people making a commitment to somebody to love them, to care for them, and go beyond just the norm. And so as I think about that, when Jesus did that, he was saying, hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do something miraculous. We're, we're not gonna send them away hungry. And they're like, how's this gonna happen? How's this gonna occur? We don't have anything to offer them. And this, this food, this boy that had this sack lunch, God takes it and uses it, and Jesus provides everyone with food. It was compelling for him to go beyond. That's what it should be like in our life groups. We should love people. We should care for them. Not just in life groups, but in our church in all areas. We should love them enough to have compassion for people, but then be committed enough to actually see them when they're going through that difficult time, we're there for them. And it should compel us to do more than what's required. It should compel us to, to offer a sacrifice, to give something up so that they can be blessed, so that they can be touched. 
The next word we look at is lead by example. And if you know me, I love talking about leadership. I'm kind of a leadership, oh, my son hates me talking about leadership. Because <laughs> I tell you, someday you're going to be a leader. He's like, I don't know, right? Maybe you'll get there someday. Still hope for you. Actually, it's funny because Jeff uh, Harbison, where's Jeff at? Is he back in the sound booth or back there? In the, anyhow, Jeff, uh, Jeff said, Eric, you should write a book, and your, first, your book should be titled uh, Forced Leadership. <laughs> the, the first chapter of the book should be uh, Volunteering People for Ministry. So evidently, I'm pretty good at that. But uh, maybe we'll write that book someday. I don't know. But how should we lead people in small groups? How should we lead them? And a lot of times the first thing we think about is example, but I want to kind of break it down and kind of cause us to think in a different light. It's the same thing, but, but I think sometimes we just need to focus on what's, what's really important to get started with instead of trying to think, I need to be this great example for people. And the first word is pattern. So pattern, pull, and purpose. And so pattern, I want you to think about that, that if I start good patterns, it leads to be the example. But sometimes we just need to break it down and ask ourselves, what healthy, good patterns can I start creating to lead people into a different way of thinking? What healthy patterns can I create that I can do to make this better, to make this a good thing? You know, if I, wanna, if I want my kids to do a devotion, and are they seeing me do a devotion? Am I creating a healthy pattern of doing a devotion? It's my prayer life. If I want to create a healthy prayer, I need to be the example, yes, but I first start need to create a habit, a pattern that conveys where I'm trying to go. And sometimes we, we feel like the, the, the example is so big that it seems like I can't do that. I, that's too much for me. I, I can't be that leader I really want to be. Well, let's, let's dive in and just look at what habits, what patterns are you creating to lead you, yourself, and others to the next part, the next phase of your life. And that way we need to do that in our small groups. The next thing is Dwight Eisenhower, the 34th president of the United States, he would always talk about, and he would take a string, and he'd usually take a, a small chain or something like that, and he would take it, and it's, it's pull. So he would always say, if you pull... Instead of push the rope or the string, you're going to be a better leader. So if you pull it, you can pretty much go wherever you want, right? I'm pulling it, and this rope is going it. But if you tried to push this, you really no go nowhere. You can't really go any place. It's just like a jumbled mess here. But if I pulled, I could go around this whole place, and this rope would follow me wherever I went. Unless I probably had a snag on the door somewhere. But I could pretty much go anywhere I wanted if I pulled the rope. But if I try to push this, I really don't go anywhere. And so the question is, how are we pulling people? How am I going out in front of people just pulling and trying to lead people in the right area, in the right direction or where they need to go? So in life groups, we need to be that positive influence to kind of nudge people along slowly in a loving way and caring about them but we need to be out in front just saying, hey, let's go this way. And every inch of this rope is going where I want it to go. But it, causes, it has to be me pulling to try to make a difference, to call, them, to call them out, to try to encourage them, to say, hey, let's, let's think this way. Let's go this direction. 
in our life group or whatever you want to do, we need to pull people. We need to try to lovingly, caringly pull them to where God wants them to go. Last thing, and this, we could argue this, we could talk about this in leadership, uh, as far as when purpose should come in. But purpose is really a calling on your life. It's, it's a, something that you go out and do with your life. It's, it's, a, it's a calling that you have. It's this, it's this sense that you need to do this. And purpose is making sure that when you have a life group, what is that life group really there for? You need to meet with your group and say, what are we here to do? Are we here to grow in Christ? Are we here to build each other up? Maybe there's a certain calling for a life group. Maybe it's, maybe it's somebody that's uh, done, uh, you know, gone through a divorce, and maybe we have some, we don't yet, but if we have a, a life group that deals with divorce, maybe it's there to bend the brokenhearted. It's to be there to support each other and encourage each other, and there's many different other things it could do, but what's the purpose of you meeting together? What's the, what's the calling What's, what's the drive that makes this youth group, or not the youth group, but a small group, uh, go in the right direction? So what's the purpose? So the scripture here I want to look at is Luke chapter 5, verse 1. And start there. One Jesus, day, Jesus, as Jesus was standing by the lake of uh, Jezreel, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He, he saw at the water's edge, two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and he asked him to put it out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let your, down your nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've been working hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come out and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. I love this imagery because Jesus was kind of slowly pulling Peter along. What was the first thing he asked him to do or did? He kind of got in his boat. Then he says, hey, let's move out in the water just a little bit. And he started preaching in front of him. So he's creating a pattern that he saw Jesus as being somebody that was very knowledgeable in God's word. So he saw a pattern here of Jesus teaching and hearing him teach in the boat. And, and Peter's like, Okay, you asked me to take my boat out a little bit, so I got it out of here, and I'm, I was washing my nets, but now we're listening to you. And then after Jesus is done, he's saying, let's go out a little bit farther. See how he's pulling him? See how he's slowly pulling him in this direction? And so they're out in the water, they cast their nets, and this big, huge, uh, uh, just a harvest. And you know what? This wasn't something Peter wanted to do at all, did he? You look at it, he was done for the day. He was washing his nets. He didn't want anything else to do that day. He was ready to go home. He's like, we spent all day doing this. Nothing happened. And that's what the things is too, is that you need to give people purpose. And we also see in other parts of scripture that Jesus calls Peter to be a fisherman of men. And so he gives them purpose. He gives them a direction where he wants them to head. 
and what he wants them to do. And so after, after Peter sees this miraculous thing of getting all these fish in the boat, and he realizes where he's at, he realizes what he needs. He needs Jesus. He realizes that all of his wisdom, all his things, he needs to learn. He needs to be taught. And he comes to Jesus, away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. Sometimes as we're in life groups and we're in leadership, we need to have that constant pattern to set that example in front of people so they know that there's hope and that they know that there's a way. And then we also need to kind of pull them along. Sometimes in leadership, it's not giving them everything at once. It's just slowly trying to nudge them along to where their heart is open and they're willing to stake a stand and they're willing to step out of comfort zone to take a leadership role and do something. And they have to be given a purpose to go out and do something. And sometimes that comes directly from God and other times it comes from being around other people that they start developing what God is calling them to do and they see what God wants them to do. And what a powerful story that Jesus teaches us here, that he's willing to pull us along. I, I see God over my course of ministry that God has done that in my life and that God does it in each one of our lives that he constantly kind of just pulls us. He doesn't always push us or force us out, like the, the book I'm gonna write. But uh, anyhow. <laughs> so uh, life groups, and this is life, life changing. Jesus is life changing, right? Jesus changed my life. When I came to know Christ, he changed me. There, I was different. There was something different about me. And, you know, that's what Jesus does. He's, he's a life changer. And so as I think about our image, this is our image for life groups. And the reason why we use the tree is, is because it should be growing. It should be growing. Life groups should grow and continue to multiply and reach out. But also I think about Jesus being the tree of life for us now. He is the tree of life. You know, when the Garden of Eden, that, you know, that we were, you know, Adam and Eve were forbidden to eat of the tree of life after they had committed the sin. Because God didn't want to stay, have them to stay in that state for all eternity. God provided a new tree. And that new tree is Jesus Christ. The cross, and Jesus being on that cross, represents the new tree that he created for us. That we are, by our faith in Jesus, we have eternal life. So, my W words here. How should, how should we give people life in our small groups? Well, the word of God. The word of God gives people life. Isn't it amazing that, that everything that Jesus represents, that he represents God's word? He's the completion of God's word. And so as we look to Jesus, as we study God's word, we get to know Jesus better. We get to understand him better because he embodies it all. And so, we need to have those times where we study God's word, read God's word, get to know God's word in our life groups and other parts of ministry too in our Sunday school classes as well. And here's an interesting word and, and I was kind of, be honest with y'all, just be honest. That's the best way, right? I was just kind of thinking about words and I, I turned to Alex and I say, well, what's a W word? She says, warm. It's like, well, that's interesting. And I said, what's the definitions, uh, definition of warm? And she gave me four definitions. And if you, you want to be entertained a little bit, go home and ask Alexa to, to give you the rest of the definitions. There's 20 different definitions of warm. It's interesting. So why did I choose warm uh, 
in the end is because, and I'll get to that. I'll just hold that. I'll make you think about it a little bit. But work to be done. There needs to be work to be done. And that's different from purpose. Purpose is, is the calling, and then work to be done is the things you do to complete your purpose, to complete your vision. That's the steps that you say, okay, we need to go do this, and this is the actual work that needs to be done to get it done. So the scripture I want to look at is Philippians 2, verse 15 through 17. So that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among the stars like the stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain, but even if I'm being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice of service coming from your faith, I am glad and I rejoice with all of you. So the definition of warm to kind of get to that is having shown or expressive of enthusiasm, affection, or kindness. This is the interesting thing about, about heat and cold is that cold doesn't really exist. It's only the absence of heat. Heat, you always need. Cold isn't anything, really, if you talk about science. Heat is what you need. So the sun, we need the sun. If we didn't have the sun, we'd just be cold and it's just because there's no heat. See, there's what we need in life group is warmth. We need energy. We need love. We need care. We need to create life. You need warmth. I think it's amazing when you go to springtime and you see all the things just, and as some plants, they just pop up overnight. It's like one night they just spring up. Life group should be a place where there's growth where there's enthusiasm, where there's a sense of belonging, a sense of accomplishing things, of care. And you cannot do that without God's word, and you can't do that without some work being involved to make things happen. And so you have to work at it. You have to build that. You have to build that group up because you're called to it. So as I end this message here, so remember the L's, the C's, the P's, and the double simple. You can laugh. It was supposed to be a joke. So yeah, I tried to make it really simple here. Someday when I preach more messages, maybe I'll go through the whole alphabet. <laughs> but think about these words. And I think it's interesting because a lot of times I get caught up on just what I think that word means. You know, I get caught up on my interpretation of that word and sometimes it's good to look at definitions because sometimes that word means a lot more than what we think it does. Just like love. You hear love all the time used for so many different ways. Sometimes we don't really think about what it really means. And so if I look at love, if I'm going to have love, how am I displaying compassion? How am I commitment? How's my commitment? How, is it compelling? And if I lead something, am I, am I creating a pattern? Do people see a pattern how I live my life? And how I do things. Am I setting a pattern? And then am I pulling? Or am I pushing? And then purpose. Do I lead my life with purpose? Does what I do have purpose? And then life. We need to have the word of God. That's where life comes in to play for us. That's where we can listen to the world so much and take the world's advice and all these things. But what matters is God's word. That's where real life happens.
And am I, am I warm to life? Am I enthusiastic about life? Am I trying to get people connected? Am I trying to help grow things? And lastly, am I doing the work that needs to be done? Am I taking steps to create life? Last thing I think about is that God spoke to the world into existence with his words. And I think about how much our words mean to people. And a lot of times we don't really think about how much an encouragement we could be to people if we just shared. And it's sad that a lot of times we wait till the very end to talk about somebody. When that person could be right in front of us and we could tell them and let them know what impact they've had in our life. If we would do that, we would encourage other people to do that, I believe. And then we could continue to grow together and become stronger by sharing those things with each other. So if you have a need, I would like for you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And I just want to give this opportunity that if anybody doesn't know Jesus Christ, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, today could be your day. You make the choice and decision to invite him in as your Lord and Savior. I'm going to pray a prayer. If you'd like to pray it with me, you have that option. But God loves you. And he sent his son to die for you.